for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention. My name is Conrad Kinch, and this is Send 3 and 4 pence, a semi-regular podcast about gaming, books, and the law as we shamble, hopefully, towards eternity. My mother-in-law, Mrs. Kinch Major, is fond of stories, of which she has a great fund. Her best stories involve the theatre. She, like Mrs. Kinch Minor, her daughter, works in, on, and often behind the stage. There is a Christmas story when uh, Mrs. Kinch Major was appearing as Dick Whittington in a panto and Mrs. Kinch Minor, at the age of seven, tripped on the landing of her grandparents' house and took the point of a pickle habe, uh, that's a uh, pointy German helmet of great war vintage, uh, and to be fair, the spike it was resting on through her chin. Mrs. Kinch Major arrived at Our Lady's Children's Hospital, dressed as Dick Whittington, presumably having left matters in the capable paws of the cat. Um, how exactly the pantomime ended is lost to history, but uh, I can uh, reassure you that Mrs. Kinch Minor made a full recovery. Another favourite of my mother-in-law's is the story of how her brother, who has a great store of Austrian military prints, is sound on the Seven Years' War and Georgian architecture and has a cracking collection of Britain's figures, built her a set for a production of Antigone. Um, the Greek tragedy. It was a beautiful set. She spilled still speaks of it with a kind of stunned awe as it was chock full of ionics and dorics and whatnot but it did however have one fatal flaw architecturally balanced and pure of line though it was there were no doors or in fact any means for the actors to leave or enter the stage even the most determined thespian pursued by any amount of bears could not have made his escape in the end she ended up sawing holes in it which was the beginning of a frostiness that took uh, two Christmases to abate. Which brings me to my point. If you play games, and those games involve terrain, uh, be it for wargaming or RPGs, that terrain should be fit for purpose. And in that, it has more in common with stage scenery or a film set than a map or a sand table model. Um, Now, I've been making terrain and buying terrain and doing gaming on it, for decades and over the years I've had a sort of a bit of a think about it and I've come up with some pointers that may be of use to you if you're starting off um, or maybe not if you're starting off there may be something uh, useful for you here even if you've been playing games for years um, about how you use build or collect train for your games so number one what is the footprint what is the area that your terrain piece covers. This is important because there's only a limited amount of space on the table and the bigger the footprint, the fewer number of uh, pieces of terrain you'll be able to put down. Um, This can be quite important when trying to uh, create a varied uh, terrain setup. So it may be worth slightly undersizing your terrain so that you can fit more on if you want to represent a wide variety of structures or different types of terrain on the same tabletop. Secondly, have a think about how it will be used. 
This is really a rules thing. Now, I mostly play games based around Richard Boris' Command and Color series. These are hex games, and usually a hex is either wooded, urban, a river, or, or something. There's, there's a hard limit on what the hex can be. And what the model actually looks like is irrelevant from the point of view of gameplay. But when I play Savage Worlds, which is a miniatures-heavy role-playing game, everything is exactly as it is on a model. Consequently, I'm happy using 15mm terrain with 172nd uh, scale figures in Command and Colours, but not with Savage Worlds. I might move trees around um, in a hex to position a unit when playing Command and Colours Napoleonics, but I wouldn't do it if I was playing Sharp Practice or in RPGs. All my Command and Colours terrain is built around 5 inch multiples because that's how big the hexes on my board are. So give some thought to how the terrain will be used and play in play and what if any compromises you're willing to make to aid gameplay that can be maybe leaving walls off uh, when making dungeon pieces or maybe not fixing trees in place on, on a wooded area so that you can move them around if you're trying to get figures in or around them um thirdly what is the game effect this is related to the second point but is slightly different and I never really thought about it until I saw a chap who was playing a, a fantasy game at a show. It was a skirmish, questing sort of thing. And the players control groups of heroes trying to defeat an evil wizard. There was a haunted forest that the players could travel through, but which was huge. And it would have taken up nearly half the table if it was resented, represented in-game. But nothing actually happened in the forest per se. There might be an encounter, but... It ultimately, passing through the forest, took a set amount of time. So his idea was very simple. He built a double line of trees with a painted backdrop with mists and um, flocks of bats uh, on it in the middle. And the player's miniature was placed in this beautiful terrain feature and remained there for three turns, the amount of time it took to traverse the forest. And then it popped out the other side. Now, it could run into something while it was in that particular terrain feature, but then he simply plumped the relevant monster figure next to the hero figure. The footprint was much smaller, um, maybe three to four inches compared to the amount of proper forest would have taken up, but the effect was the same. I could certainly see this idea being used for colonial games or in contemporary Afghanistan games where players have to traverse mighty rivers or valleys. Um, it could be useful in an RPG where you've got uh, a... You're just trying to represent an area where the players are and they're going to remain for a period of time but that they're possibly not going to take uh, have sort of active tactical combat. Um, fourthly, keep a playing piece on hand. If you're building terrain yourself, keep a figure near you when you're working so you can work out how the terrain piece is going to work in the course of a game. Uh, this is one of the best pieces of um, uh, terrain advice I've ever gotten. And I think I read it in White Dwarf. Um, my Napoleonics, for example, are all based on 2x5 steel bases. So I try and make sure that those bases will fit in my buildings. Um, it's also handy if you're adding stairs or parapets to a building, as well as working out how likely game effects, game effects in game that use model to model line of sight. So if you've got... Um, if you want to 
have the opportunity to place single figures in a terrain feature you know probably best to check that you can actually stick a single figure and that it will it will stand up or stay where it's put um when you're in the course of making the the, the piece so that you have some idea of how it's going to act in play uh furthermore and lastly number five st storage and transportation even if you're lucky enough to have a dedicated games room it's likely that you'll want to switch your terrain around every so often so some of it will have to be stored this is doubly important if you play at a club because you'll need to transport the stuff ideally without wrecking your hard work by banging your terrain about so with that in mind i rationalized my terrain a few months ago and now everything fits in storage boxes which are standard size and i've lined them with foam this means that the terrain is safe when it's not being played with it can be stacked which makes it easier to store and the boxes which are made of heavy duty cardboard are not so heavy that they're hard to transport they're also quite cheap now i wish i'd thought of this idea sooner before i'd scuffed battered and smashed a variety of terrain pieces while bringing them to shows or conventions uh, and it would probably have made some changes about how i put my terrain together too because i would have ensured that the terrain pieces fit the box size so in conclusion when we play games we often make compromises with regards to figures we just accept the 20 figures as a battalion or in a role-playing game you know we accept that 24 inches is a perfectly acceptable range for a rifle um war game strain is often the work of real modeling skill and it should look good there's nothing like playing on a beautiful table but we should also give serious thought as to how the terrain is going to be used in the game beautiful terrain that hinders or at least doesn't help play is like a theater set with no doors purely functional terrain might as well be a game board and that doesn't really satisfy finding that compromise will help you bring the vasty fields of France to your unworthy scaffold and let you cram within six by four feet of MDF the casks that did affright the air at Agincourt. Thank you very much. If you've any terrain tips or uh, hobby building tips that you'd like to share, please let me know and I will see you at the next one. Thank you very much for listening to Send 3 and 4 pence, and goodbye. have been listening to Send 3 and 4 Pence, a semi-regular podcast about gaming, books and the law. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share, like and subscribe, and most importantly, tell your friends that you liked it. And if you didn't like this podcast, please like, share and subscribe, and most importantly, tell your friends that you liked it. Thank you and goodbye.